The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? Greetings from Knoxville, Tennessee. I am doing great today, John. It's uh, um, still we're we're still in that quarantine mode, but I I, I think we're we're on the back side of it right now. So I'm doing great. I'm waiting for this thing to be over. Uh, me too. Can't wait for this thing to die down. How is everything in the world of kind of your virtual trainings and your Snake Pit Pro Facebook stuff going? Uh, pretty good, actually. We're, we're having some great response. We're uh, uh, coming down. Uh, we've got a lot of guys on Snake Pit Pro, Friends of Sins, uh, and, well, friends of a lot of us. So we... Uh, we're doing pretty good. As a matter of fact, if we can just hit this on the front end, you know, I uh, somebody talked about uh, 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 my curriculum the other day and said they'd ordered it, and I had had five. Uh, I mentioned on Facebook I had five remaining. Whoever wants it, and we got an overwhelming response. So uh, I ordered more books, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it is a curriculum. It's, it doesn't have pictures in it. A full disclosure. It's just it's it's a guide, a one year guide for anybody who's either about to train or or who has a wrestling school. Just just ideas, suggestions, uh, drills, and um, a couple stories in here to uh, get you to think about. And it's called. A pro wrestling curriculum, advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level. And if you would like a personally autographed book from me, all you have to do is uh, send $25 either to my PayPal, which is drtompritchard at AOL.com, or you can send a cashier's check or money order to a P.O. box, and that's Dr. Tom Pritchard, P.O. Box, 22451, Knoxville, Tennessee, 37933. Uh, so I just want to get that out of the way. We can plug that again later on. But uh, if you're looking for some ideas or suggestions, 
Yeah, this is certainly the book for you, I think. And there's nobody better to learn from, in my estimation, in my view, no one better to learn from than Dr. Tom. So I would definitely seek out that book if I were you, and you're definitely an aspiring wrestler or not. Yeah, I think you should definitely, um, definitely get that book. Yeah, just check it out again. If you, even if you love the business, or it, it, it just kind of might give you a new spin on things. You never know. Now, today we wanted to talk about Mr. Chris Candido, who died 15 years ago on April 28th, believe it or not, 2005, at a very, very young age. He was only 33 years old. Pretty damn crazy. So kind of thinking about that and thinking about how fast 15 years flew by and just thinking about Chris, when did you actually end up first meeting Chris? I met Chris, uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to say it was Memphis. Um, in, gosh, 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 90, well, it was before Smoky Mountain, so it had to have been 89, I guess. He was in Memphis in 89, I believe, right? No, I think his debut was probably more towards like 1991, I want to say, something like that. Well, then I saw him in the tail end of Memphis, I think, um, is where it was. I, I got to know him a little bit better. Uh, worked worked out with him. Uh, yeah, actually, maybe it, it possibly was '89. You're right. It, could, it, could have been. Pos- yeah, it could possibly be. You're right. Uh, but but I, I remember because he was um, he was that young kid and who loves wrestling. And if if I can explain something real quick, because uh, on the dark side of the ring. I think it was, uh, you know, on the brawl for all. Russo said something about Cornette being still upset after all this time, and it's just wrestling, bro. Um, <laughs> it is just wrestling, but if you've never had a passion for something like this, if you've never had a passion, uh, it doesn't have to be wrestling. It could be um, bottle cap collecting. It doesn't matter. if Just because it's not your passion, don't discount that it means more to someone else than it might mean you. And a lot of us, uh, Jim Cornette, Eddie Gilbert, myself, Chris Candido, we grew up loving nothing but professional wrestling. And Chris, uh, his grandfather was Popeye Chuck Richards and did some enhancement work for WWF at that time. And uh, this was all he loved. This was his obsession. He he promoted cards when he was 14 years old and on uh, – uh, in Asbury Park, New Jersey, him and Bam Bam Bangalow, Bigelow had known each other, I guess, since Chris was 14. So, I mean, he was fully dedicated, and when I first met him, watched him in the ring, you could tell that. You could tell he loved it. You could tell it was his uh, passion. Uh, it was his obsession, like a lot of us. And uh, <clears throat> that's where the respect and... I, I would say admiration I had for Chris came from because of his work ethic and because he loved the business. And he was, he was a good guy. He was a good person, which was probably a huge part of his downfall because um, it's a tough business. And he had, he had a little girl with him who knew she was hot and knew people knew she was hot. And uh, I'm sure that, um, that was something that 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 I, I think he wanted to have go with his territory. So anyway, I got to know him young uh, when he was starting out in Tennessee, but he'd already been around for a little while, a few years, and um, 
followed he followed him to Smoky Mountain, and and that's where I got to know him a little bit better. When you first met him and saw him in Memphis, and you're kind of thinking like, okay, this guy's young, he's passionate. What do you think about like talent wise and talent level? Do you think like he's a good worker? Or he's he's green, but could use some polishing. Like, what were your thoughts on him initially? No, nah, he was a hell of a worker. He wasn't that green. That's what I'm saying. I think he might have been 19 years old, but he had been promoting and wrestling since I think he might have been. Either either four, twelve or fourteen, he did it on on, on the Jersey Shore or or Asbury Park, something like that. Um, ran his own show. I, I've seen the articles, the front page of the Asbury Park paper, uh, I think, where it shows him and Bigelow and some other guys, and talks about these young kids running their own show. And uh, I thought he was an, an excellent worker, and and and. He had that innate ability to feel it at that young age and go out and have the confidence. And uh, he, he looked like a vet. When I remember, I remember thinking that when I saw him in Memphis. And and uh, you know, while some guys would go out there and do it half-ass in front of a half-ass crowd, he wouldn't because we at that in that day and age that's that's what you were living for was the 15 or 10 minutes or even eight minutes you had in the ring that's what you and i know it sounds strange to some people but this is what we focused on this this was it just just being in this business doing it and loving it and uh uh trying to enjoy it and and for the most part we did and i think the the the, the only part that you don't enjoy is the backstage uh, bullshit, but that's where that's everywhere. So with Chris, obviously you said Memphis first, but then Smoky Mountain after that. When he gets brought into Smoky Mountain, did you have any idea he was coming in? Did you say he should be brought in, or is that all Cornet? No, that's all Cornet. Uh, again, we we were, um, gosh, I yeah, that that was all Jim. But I think Jim had had also seen seen him in Memphis and, and uh, he had wrote Jim or Jim contacted him. However, however it came about, uh, Jim was making his talent uh, roster and, and trying to pick who he wanted. That's, that's how he got Lance and uh, uh, Jericho. I think they wrote to Cornette, though, sent him a tape, and, and he saw the promise to both of those guys, too. But I think you, you couldn't help. If, if if you had been around the business any amount of time, you couldn't help but see the promising in Chris as well because he just had that something. He had something special, and he, he you could you could tell he loved this. You, you, didn't, it, you didn't have to watch him too long. When you kind of first see him in Smoky Mountain, what are your – you, I'm mean, kind of like, what do you say to him? Like, hey, you know, about time you, you made it, you know, made it here or anything like that. Like, what's your kind of first interaction with him, if you can remember? Uh, well, once again, he he was one of those guys I liked seeing uh, where I was at because um, he was young, he was he was ambitious, and uh, his life was wrestling. So I didn't I didn't have any forward-thinking thoughts, if you will, that he was going to be the NWA champion and he was going to uh, <laughs> become that that outstanding gimmick that uh, mm, the body Donna. Mm. But but I did I did um, I could see, especially being around 
a guy like Jim Cornette who recognizes talent and who recognizes the place they need to be and what they need to do. And that's, that's the talent of a, a smart booker slash matchmaker, understanding the combinations and understanding the, the, uh, the avenues you need to take with your talent. And, and I think Jim was, was uh, masterful in that in, in many regards, uh, anybody who's ever had the book or anybody's ever had to, <laughs> had to deal with, uh, talent in this business understands you have a young guy coming in he's got the fire he's got the heart he's got the he's got that thirst and hunger uh jim recognized that and he put him in spots and and in positions to showcase that and he showcased it with rock and roll he showcased it with brian lee and i uh, uh boo bradley you know it was it was these scenarios and these uh, spots that the booker or the matchmaker at that time had to find for you. And if you had a suggestion, he, he would listen, uh, but he had his own ideas. And I think um, when I saw when I saw him come in and, and saw the, the direction uh, he was going to be used, um, it was the right spot for him. I mean, he, and he was working with the right guys. So what did you think about him as a person? Like, personally, I know you said you liked him, but what did you think about him? Uh, I think he was a great guy. And, I, again, I think that was that was more than likely his downfall uh, because he was a genuine guy. He was an honest guy. And, and, and um, honesty works in some places of the world and, and not so much in others. And uh, uh, being sincere and being... Um, geared toward going out and doing what you do in the ring every night, uh, coming to the back or, or traveling or, or during the day having to deal with just petty, minute bullshit, um, isn't, uh, does, doesn't not take a toll on your soul at times. I mean, it does take a toll on you at times. And, and I could see that because he was such a, uh, sincere person, I think in, in what he was trying to do. And he was, uh, loyal to a fault, I think as well, but he was a good guy. He was a good person. He's, he's a guy that, that I could, uh, easily converse with, uh, and, and, uh, work a program uh whether it's going to the uh, uh going to the town or or if we're in the gym you know he would he would i would go off on a topic and all i'm doing is working a pro i you know people think i'm out there and i am i make no 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 uh excuses or explanation for it but but a lot of times i'll just run with something because it entertains me and it helps my promo skills stay sharp and and you know guys like Candido would just never miss a beat and, and fire right back and and so he was one of the, he was enjoyable to be around uh, for a guy like me. It is kind of like crazy like to think that this guy's got such talent you know he's young and he's got so much going for him and then you know eventually would have like such a bad gimmick in the body honest but we'll get to that in a second. But as far as Smoky Mountain, did you like? Did you think he should have maybe gotten a bit more of a push there? Like, what did you kind of think about him in Smoky Mountain? Because 
like you said, he does become NWA champion basically in late 94. But what did you think about his run in Smoky Mountain? Uh, I, I thought he did okay. Um, Jim used him pretty good. Uh, I think the uh, other element <laughs> that he had along with him uh, pretty much he was in the learning phase. Let me see that. I guess what I'm trying to say. And he Jim gave him that opportunity to be in that spot and that position to explore um that part of it can he can he how will he uh color this picture how will he um uh, you know make his his color do his art in in the ring how will how will that come about and and that's left up you can you can have a diagram but it, it really is left up to the guys going out there to interpret it and make it uh come alive and that was the spot Chris was in so I thought he was in a perfect spot for that that for his age at that time and for his experience he was now getting uh to work under Jim Cornette's learning tree and in a a territory where you knew eyes would be on it just for the fact that uh that's that's what the business is, it, it relies on young talent. It relies on new talent. And Chris was in a prime position if the business would have, well, if, if, if uh, the middle word in life. But, but uh, no, I, I don't know about he should have got a bigger push. I think he got a great push. I think he got a great opportunity. And, and it did parlay and work out into a, a, a job with WWE and, uh, it it, pro- it certainly wasn't my dream job at that time, but you know to be the body Donna's to to do something else maybe, but but he but he made it work for for the time and uh, there were a lot of times he was unhappy with it, but he but he marched on, soldiered on, and and dealt with it as best as he could. When you guys were in Smoky Mountain together, did you travel at all together? Like behind the scenes, did you hang out? Like what was the story with him there? Well, not so much, uh, just because I I I don't mind um, traveling with with anybody. Sherry Martell was one of the boys. Sherry Martell got it, and Sherry Sherry was great to travel with. But but um, Sherry had been around, and Sherry. Uh, knew uh, Sherry loved the business too. Sherry knew. Uh, Tammy was just breaking in, but Tammy had watched you know wrestling and all that stuff too. But but Tammy was was certainly a whole different animal than Sherry Martell ever would be. And I just was not in the um, mood, or wasn't wasn't that wasn't our, our deal. I was when I was going to the towns and traveling with. Uh, uh, in Smoky Mountain, it was usually oh, there's the other thing. We were coming from Nashville in the beginning, and, and a bunch of us would ride from Nashville to uh, Knoxville or whatever town we were in. And, and then when we moved to the to Knoxville, we had, we had our riding partners already. And uh, while I love Chris and talking to him, I just wasn't in that place in my life where I could say um, where I couldn't say anything. I wasn't in the mood to hear anybody's comments about what I wanted to do, 
going to the town or what I wanted to do coming back from the town. And um, sometimes people would have comments or sometimes uh, people would want to – going to the town, you're going to talk. I don't want to hear Tammy talk going to the town. Bottom line, I'm, I'm trying to make it <laughs> colorful. I just don't want to hear her talk. It's just, it's just not, not – you know, I've met – Many guys who who have their girlfriends and wives working with them. Some of them get it, some of them don't. Um, that's all. As far as you know, Chris and them. I mean, obviously they were dating or whatever you want to call. It, they were together for such a a long period of time. Do you think that he almost was just sometimes not sick of her, but he would he ever kind of just be like? Oh man, like you know, she's kind of annoying the boys, or she's doing this, she's doing that. Would he ever have be like frustrated with her or anything? I, I'm sure he would. I, I think anybody would, but I never saw it. He never. Uh, Chris, I think, was was so easygoing, and again, I think that was to his detriment. But no, I never saw outward frustration publicly by any chance, by any means, and and he never never talked to me about it. I think he was. Uh, I I don't know what he was. I mean, I, he, I I understand the situation. I really, really do. And it can be a um, it can be an uncomfortable situation. Uh, so he was uncomfortable. I think maybe at time probably he had to be, but he never mentioned it. And I'm I'm just assuming. So I don't know if he had to be or not. But he was he was in her territory, working every night. And getting to live his dream, getting to do his stuff, and uh, Jim Cornette took took an interest in him enough, and it took an interest in his girlfriend at that time enough, to where they both uh, were drawing a paycheck, and they could live, and Tammy was going to UT at the time. So, um, they were both young, and they were, you know... Uh, the brutal business at times, and Tammy had confidence. So I will give her that. That's that's to her advantage, and that's to her uh, uh, understanding how to play the game. And I don't know that Chris didn't understand the game. I just don't think he wanted to play it anymore. Mm-hmm. It gets old after a while. So uh, yeah, he. But I think with any couple, I think anytime you're around somebody that long or that that much if you're you're never you never get a break like you know i could go to the building and i would be away from my wife and and give us a nice break because i'm not all peaches and cream all the time either so i think we all have to have a break sometimes and when you don't get that sure i think tensions are going to overflow as far as him working Smoky Mountain and eventually getting called up. Is anybody but Cornette a kind of a part of that process? Do they ever say anything to you like, hey, you think this guy is ready? Or, you know, what do you, what do you think about Candido? Is any of that ever kind of brought up to you before he gets sent up to WWE? No, not not in this case. It was a deal, um, I, I want to say, almost like Jimmy was using Tammy down in, in Smoky Mountain. And she was doing some on-camera stuff and uh, wanting to, uh, you know, uh, be Hillary Clinton. That was her deal. She was uh, Hillary had so much heat, even even way back then. And uh, Tammy would bring her book out, and she would just be a complete heel. And she was so natural. That was the thing. She was talented. I will give her that. 
she's natural. Some people are just like that, and she was. But but I think that's when they caught a glimpse of her, and then out of the situation, predicament, whatever, however it came about, it might have been Jim. I'm, no one's told me this again, but but I, I could see Jim saying, hey, uh, if you want this kid to, he's a pretty good worker, bring him up to, give him a shot, they're, they're together, give her somebody to, to uh, have on the road to and, and something like that. Don't know that that's what he did, but... Uh, Sometimes, as, as as you know, you can go to WWE with a real horrible gimmick in the beginning and kind of fade out of it if you if it if it's in the cards. But yeah, he went up, and it was an opportunity for him and Tammy. Nobody mentioned it to me, but I could see how it, how it could happen. Uh, it happened with Eddie Gilbert and and Missy Hyatt too. When Missy went yep. up there, you know, they, <laughs> Eddie was standing right there, and 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 Vince kind of look past him and just right at Missy. It's, it, it can be heartbreaking because, you know, this is this is your dream and this is what you want to do. And I don't know. Chris never shared that with me if he was upset uh, or, or felt. I, I'm sure he felt uh, that he could do better than the body Donna. That's for damn sure. And he certainly could have if given the opportunity. But there again. Being that nice guy and not saying anything is is detrimental to your career <laughs> in anywhere you go. You've got to understand you're swimming with sharks, and uh, you better have a fin real quick, or, or you're going to get uh, uh, I, you're going to get swallowed whole. So with her, is she a bad influence on him? Just like when they're together. At this point, is, is it like, okay, you know, he's such a great young talent and she may be steering him in the wrong direction, so to speak? Well, I don't know that uh, to be a fact, but but I do know that at that stage in your career, uh, you, you don't need anyone but yourself to be worried and concerned about because it's hard enough to navigate through everything you need to go through. And when you you have somebody else along for the ride and, and someone who has this uh, egocentric personality and, and uh, this woman, girl, whatever you want to call her, um, she she was a narcissistic and uh those are the traits you need to have to be be a successful performer no doubt you have to believe in yourself but she had no filter she had no um she she knew she was this cute little girl and and she knew she caught the eye of of everybody not, not true, but that's how she felt, mm-hmm. and uh, so she she portrayed that and she exuded that. She she wherever she went, she was uh, the queen, and she believed it. And so Chris is over here, just wanting to get in the ring and, and wrestle and do some cool stuff and have have good matches. Um, and sometimes he would do that, and nobody would say a thing, and somebody would tell him everything that was wrong. 
Nothing about it that was right. Everything that it was wrong, and it wasn't wrong. It was just the fact that that's the game you have to play first. You you have to understand. They want to see if you're going to listen. They want to see if you're going to talk back. They want to see if you're going to fight for what you believe in. And back then, I, I don't think Chris was geared for the fight. It, it, by the time I was with the, the body downers, I certainly uh, I, I wasn't geared for the fight. But so with Tammy, just Tammy and him, uh, I know, look, I, I don't think Chris ever dug the blue singlet and the jumping jacks and that bullshit because so, he was so much more talented. He has so much more to offer. Uh, but he didn't know how to turn the key and open the door and and let that happen. But it's not about letting it happen. It's about making it happen. And um, so th- that, that might have been an obstacle. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, again, I'm looking out because uh, I, I only, speaking of riding with them, I rode with them one time in WWE, one time, rode to the town. I got there, and I went right to the undertaker and said, hey, do you guys happen to have uh, room for me going back because I can't <laughs> take it? I did. And wow. uh, it was it was Taker and uh, the Godwins. He says, yeah, we'll get you in. And I'm I, look. I wasn't real close with Taker, um, but but I asked because it, it was it was that kind of ride, and and I've been in that kind of relationship, and I understand it. And a lot of us get in that relationship for whatever reason, for whatever uh, character flaws we all have. Um, it, it, it's on us, and and it, it was on Chris, and and on a couple of occasions. Uh, I'm trying to think. I know Spicoli said something to him in the gym one time, and I, I, Chris does. Chris wasn't. A, I don't believe he was a fighter. I don't believe he he had a mean bone in his body. But he could get angry when people would say uh, anything concerning Tammy, anything like. Uh, so you. you You've got to you've got to um, get away from the negative energy or anybody who is bringing this this nothing but darkness and and, and horrible attitude every single day. It wears you down. You know, attitude is the most important thing in life, I think, and in this business especially. And if you come at it from a negative attitude, or I'm better than you, and I'm uh, I'm talking about if you have a partner, uh, and, and it happens to be a woman who everybody is trying to uh, get in touch with, if you will. So, um, you know, I, I saw the beatdown, and, and it's it's a it's a verbal beatdown on a daily basis, and uh, there was no empathy, no compassion, no nothing. So, anyway, I yeah, I don't I don't know that I don't know how he felt about that. Though. I don't know how a lot of us felt about it, but I don't know how he felt about it. Now, I was looking up you and him at Smoky Mountain. I couldn't find any real matches, just a couple battle royals and a quote-unquote Royal Rumble, which obviously everyone knows what that is, but it was a Smoky Mountain version of one. Do you remember at all wrestling in Smoky Mountain or just basically what I said, in Royal Rumbles or battle royals? 
Do, do I, wrestling Chris? Yeah. Yep. No, I don't think we ever. I don't think we ever worked in the ring. I think he just battled us. He was a heel. We were heels too. So, yeah, I don't. I don't think we ever did cross paths in the ring. So, so then, obviously, uh, you're in the WWF. He's in the WWF now. He's going to be brought in with Sonny. And we know the story of the hair where you don't want to do it. They hang up. They basically say, well, okay, we'll go, you know, we'll go to the next person and they'll uh, bleach blonde their hair and, and become one of the body donors. When you actually agree to it and say, okay, you know, I'm going to be one of the body, body donors. Fine. I'll do it. You know, almost begrudgingly become zip. Do you call him and be like, oh man, this, this gimmick sucks. Like, well, what happens at that point? No, I, I didn't call Chris, or or maybe I, I take that back. Maybe I did. Come to think of it, I think I did. Um, but the, the way, <laughs> here's here's a lost chapter. Uh, the way this whole thing came about, we we had finished up our run as the Heavenly Bodies, uh, Jimmy Delaware and myself, and there there as with anything, there were. Um, Opportunities were were uh, limited for us, and Jimmy decided to go home to Tampa. And I'm sitting at home, and I'm trying to think. Now, wait a minute. Uh, this this isn't the end, and I don't. I'm, I'm not ready to quit the business. I know I can, uh, but but I don't know who I'm going to work with. I mean, I know I can do this. I know I can can find my way, um, but I had already had a, had a a taste of how it really is backstage, how it really is front in the front, in the back, and all around. That I saw it. It's like, man, um, if it was going to be with anybody, I, I would rather have it be with Chris. Uh, because I, I knew coming in as singles, it, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to happen. It was going to be either, even worse than if I, I was uh, in a team. So I think I did call him, and then I had, a, a, again, the idea that, look, it's, it's a job, but you can't treat this as just a job. If you expect to be successful, if you expect to have any semblance of enjoyment, or, or happiness on the road. Uh, you can't just come into it and say, ah, it, it's just a job. Because it'll, as much as I loved the business, and I still love the business, I still have a, have a, a, a lot of affection and, and admiration uh, for everybody who's, who's still doing this. But even then, it, it got to be where. The attitude, the, the tension, the un, underlying, um, what it, whatever you want to call it, man, was uh, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So I, I don't know how how I, I don't I don't think I think he liked the fact that I was coming on because I know he liked me and, and I liked him back. But I, I don't think. He had any uh, feelings of grandeur, ideas of grandeur either. I think he kind of knew we were where we were going to be, and that was because if you're not, you have to you have to be in the in the click. You have to go and find somebody to work with that wants to work with you. A good team, a good angle, a good program, and uh, due to the fact 
Empress's appendage. Uh, that was going to be hard to do, in my opinion. Hmm. I gotcha. Now, as yeah. far as as becoming the bodyguard, obviously you're both unhappy. Did he ever say? I mean, obviously, I mean, you're you're a veteran. I mean, you kind of was like at this point, you're already established as a great worker, great tag team wrestler, and a few different tag teams. <clears throat> so he's being thrown in, and he's kind of the young guy, and this is really his first gig. Was he? just like ecstatic that he was in WWF and didn't really care that much about the gimmick. I mean, I, as far as you're, you know, you're pissed. It's a shitty gimmick, but what did he, he maybe even happy with it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and so when, when we went out, uh, he, he tried to make the best of it. And we were working with the Godwins and we both knew the Godwins from a while back too. And, and they were good guys to work with, uh, because they were kind of in the same boat, and we got it. Here's our spot on the card. We, but but he, I don't think it was happy. I just don't think the circumstances lent itself for him to feel comfortable enough to go and complain, or even when he even when he pitched suggestions, uh, nobody listened, and and it was. Uh, it was it was a um, <laughs> not a good time for us uh, in, in at that time, and I think he he he, he knew it sucked uh, because he he it, well, it did. There was no denying it. It was horrible, and he was he was capable of so much more, uh, but it it didn't mesh with the other aspect going on. As far as like him as a tag partner, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but great chemistry with him. Did you think he was one of your best tag partners, the best tag partner? What did you think about Chris? No, there was chemistry. Um, but just if, if it would have been just Chris Candido, the Suicide Blonde, uh, they, he would have been a, it would have been a lot more fun. But as the body donors, my God, man, I just. It, it was it was it, it was a job, and you should never treat this like just a job, because then it becomes <laughs> it becomes a grind, and it becomes uh, a dread. And he was a he was a great partner to have. I don't know that he was the greatest ever, but he was a great partner to have because I didn't mind being in the ring with him, uh, standing in the corner. Uh, Tammy was garnished. Tammy was added to it, but she she obviously was the star of the show, and and that's not um, something as a as a tag team either. You'll have managers, and Cornette was great because he added to it. Tammy was there to take away, in my opinion. I think she was there to let everybody see her and that's the way she did it and that's the way she should have done it because as a performer you have to have that ego and she did and that wasn't always because she never turned it off see that's that's the other thing she was 24 7 uh believing her own shit and and rightfully so because she was the most downloaded woman on aol when she came in and and she was over no doubt well i will give her that but uh, there comes a time when you have to have a little hubris and a little uh, uh, respect for who you came to the dance with. Even if you got there first, you're in life. You're you're supposed to be uh, together, 
and helping each other. And um, yeah, I, don't, I didn't see that. Now, obviously, bodyguards are around from 1995, really, to September of 96. I mean, you get, you know, I wouldn't say a really two full years, but basically it's November of 95 to um, September of 96. I mean, you get a good full year plus run there with him. Did it feel like longer to you? Well, Is that a weird thing to say? No, it's not a weird thing to say. At times, it sure did, because... Um, you know, when you when you're on tour, you you have people you hang out with, and you have your friends, you have a few people, and I I, I didn't want to hang out with Chris and Tammy, and there were very few people in that crew at that time that I really uh, I, I hung out on a couple of occasions, but but it, it was the same thing. I there's there's only so much I can so many times a night I can hear how great you are. I get it. You're great, but I, I really would rather talk or do some talk about something else or do something else besides talk about um, the things that <laughs> that you'd want to talk about. And 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 if you, I can't give you an example, but it sounds um, as much as I love wrestling. There's times when I don't want to talk about wrestling, especially after I've done it for. Uh, three weeks straight or whatever it is, sometimes, you know, I, I don't mind talking about what's going on or in the world, or I don't mind about talking about current events and I don't mind talking about wrestling, but, it, but when it concerns how many times I held this belt, oh my God, or, or I should get the belt. They should put the belt on me. They should give me the strap. Oh no. I mean, um, no, 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 no. But and and that happened on a, on a couple of occasions, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so I just we we, we I've hung, I hung out with him a couple times, but once again, it 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 all went back to uh, this is what I think you ought to do. This is what you should do. This is what I think you should do. Well, this is what I'm gonna do. Oh, you don't like and and then. Stay in the bathroom for thirty minutes. I'm talking about the appendage. <laughs> now you guys are basically in ring, married for a year, whatever it is, you know, ninety five yeah. and into ninety six here and through ninety six. But it's interesting that there's not like a ton of teams that you guys no, had to work with. No, there isn't. It was not a a time for tag team wrestling to flourish at all. We broke uh Billy's neck, I broke it by by coming down. He was he was on the floor, and I was on the apron. I came down, uh, kicked him in the neck. I I didn't think anything of it. I really didn't think it was that hard. I honestly, I didn't. But I, I he blames me for breaking his neck, uh, and that's that's how this whole thing came about. You know, the 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 tag tournament or whatever, and 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 you had you had the Godwins, and did you have Marty and uh, Al Snow? Uh, mm-hmm. The new okay. rockers. The new rockers. Who else did you have? I don't even know. Well, just right. like r- randomly. I mean, there's not much. I mean, not towards, much. towards the end of your run, Owen and the Bulldog. But I yeah. mean, there's yeah, there's not really many guys for you guys to work with. And I know maybe 
you know, throw in like Aldo Montoya and, and Barry Horowitz or, or I don't know, Barry Horowitz and Gennetti or something. You know what I mean? There's like mismatch teams or, or Aldo and Bob Holly, but it's not really. <laughs> do I do I know what you mean? I lived it. Yes, I do. This was right after the steroid trial, right after things were down, right after things were making a big change. And, and, and yeah, uh, we, we were well aware of that too. And that's, that's one of those other things where you go, man, it, it it should have been, could have been, should have, would have, could have, uh, so much better. But it just, those are the cards that were dealt, and we didn't always play our hand the right way. I certainly didn't always play my hand the right way. But um, looking back on it, we did what we could do with what we had, and, and everybody else did too. So um, I just wish... The circumstances could have been better, but we can wish in one hand and shit in the other, and <laughs> we know what happens there. Yep. Yeah. And as a team, the body Donna's defeat the Godwins in the tournament final to win the vacate, vacant uh, WWF Tag Team Championship. That's at WrestleMania 12, free for all, not on the actual pay per view. And I know oh, we talked about. Oh, thanks for reminding me, John. Thank you. Just well, I know we talked about that before. By the way, I, I know we have. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to lighten the mood. Good. <laughs> Hey, it's not a bright spot. Zip is not a bright spot. It's not the heavenly no, body. No kidding. Go ahead. But, but anyway, I interrupt you. Yes. Well, it's just an interesting little fact to it. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before or if you remember this, but you lose the title to the Godwins about 49 days later at MSG, the night of the curtain call. So it was May 1996. I don't know if you remember that. I do because uh, Chris broke his neck that night. Oh, he wow. Was, Damn. Yeah he, yeah, he was sitting in the hallway of the garden. Uh, I came back. He said he hurt himself. Okay, and he was he, he came into the dressing room with me, uh, and then he got up and walked out. Okay, and I was un, unlacing my boots, but as he walked out, I went out to check on him, and he was sitting on the uh, floor against the wall. Uh, Tammy was talking to him, and she was going to take him to the uh, uh, doctor emergency room in downtown Manhattan. So I do remember that. And I remember the curtain call. And uh, after that, uh, I was riding with Dutch Mantell and John Bradshaw Layfield. And it was a foggy, foggy night. And uh, Bradshaw wanted to see the Statue of Liberty. And we went out to, I guess there's a ferry that takes you out there, but that had stopped running. It was late. But we stood there and looked with some other people across the Statue of Liberty. So I do remember that night. Um, yeah, we won it on the West Coast, lost it on the East Coast. Uh, that's the way I looked at it. Do you know how he broke his neck? Was it uh, like a botch move by the Godwins? Or? Don't know. Don't know. It might have been something that, that was um, – the nagging and it could have been that could have been uh, the the final straw. I think it was a hairline fracture, but it was there certainly hairline or not. It's it's still pretty painful, and uh, so I, I do know he went to the doctor that night, the emergency room where it was a loony bin in Manhattan, if you can imagine. Uh, but they stayed and, and and I guess they X-rayed him and and gave him a collar I think to wear. Mm-hmm. And he wore that, but he was still booked. So he made his bookings, and I don't think he told the office. I could be wrong, 
but I don't think he told the office, but he wrestled, <laughs> and this guy had a little heat. Uh, he put a soft collar on and went to the ring. He didn't take bumps. He got in there and did some stuff, and I took the bumps and, and the finish because I told him to stay out. But he wanted to start. He wanted to do uh, something, and he did. But um, so that kind of that, – that became the beginning of the end, so to speak, because – uh, when the agent report came in and, and everyone found out he was wrestling with a neck brace on, neck collar on, uh, that's when they said, no, you've got to take care of this and you can't be in the ring. So he did that. And I think during that time when he was off, I was still going to TVs. I had some singles matches. And uh, after that, it was kind of like, yeah. This 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 is even worse than before. This isn't any fun, and it, and I got it. But again, I wasn't really saying anything. I wasn't really, you know, I was trying to figure this thing out too. And um, you know, there, there was a there was a dynamic going on that I probably uh, read more into than I should have or or, or needed to, but I did. And so that's kind of how the rest of the uh, story played out with Chris kind of uh, taking care of his neck and 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 staying away, and then I just uh, uh, was offered the training gig and moved into that area. So basically, I don't know he he hurts his neck and so on and so forth. But we we've, we've kind of been through a little bit before of kind of the end of the Body Donners run. And a few weeks ago, we talked about how you and Chris would meet up again in ECW in '97 and have a good little match there. And that's like kind of like almost like a full circle thing. It's kind of like almost ending the Body Donners, so to speak, with Chris beating you and winning the match. Not really ending it, but it just almost kind of puts a little button on it, right? Yeah, I think so. I really do. I think so. I think Chris was destined for uh, bigger and better things. He was kind of more in his role, right? By 97, he was really, he had found himself. He was a great worker at that point, even more so. And he really kind of found himself at that point. Well, yeah. And, and you gain experience and you mature um, more so as the years go on. And he, he had, added to his experiences and, and, um, uh, <laughs> so some of those things you, you never forget. And well, a lot most, all those things you never forget the the big ones. And he had a lot of major, um, experiences in WWE and to learn from it, uh, is the key to learn and not, not just have it happen to you and not do anything about it. And I think, Chris, uh, again, being the, the kind of person he was, who just wanted to wrestle, doesn't want to make waves, wants to just come in, let's let's have some great matches, let's do some business, let's, let's make this thing work. Um, I think he, he now understood that even more once he left because he knows – uh, I liken it to being at sea for, for 40 years and then stepping on solid ground saying, oh, everything's okay. No, after you leave there, sometimes you, you have to 
step out again and, and maybe go to a place like the arena in Philly and, and step on some solid ground and, and feel it again, feel it what you feel, what you felt before. Because in, at that time, none of I don't think either one of us are feeling what we felt before. And uh, a lot of that, well, no, it's all on us because we have to adapt. They don't have to adapt to us. We have to adapt to them. And uh, I don't think we were taking that too seriously at that time. I think it was, um, it, it sure wasn't urgent and it should have been. But I think we approached it uh, not the right way, so to speak. But I think once he left and once he started working back in his element, uh, then that love comes back for the business, I think. Was he a big partier? Because, you know, you always hear stories of maybe some extracurricular activity and him backstage and stuff. Was he known as a big partier or a big drinker or anything like that? Well, I I think for that day and age, uh, the 80s were certainly days of big partiers. Uh, we all, well, not we all, but, but a lot of us certainly, uh, certainly went through the storm and came out the other side. But Chris, I think, would dabble at times, and after his neck especially, it, there were, it wasn't, it, it, there was a time when doctors would say, uh, here's what you need. And w- when you when you have an injury and then you find something to take and it makes you feel better, uh, even after the injury's passed, you, you just, sometimes it's not even about getting high as much as you just want to feel different and you want to get out of, out of the moment you're in now and, and transfer over to another moment in the same time space that you happen to uh, occupy. And I, that happened, uh, I think with Chris, and I think he got he got caught up in things uh, sometimes, and he didn't know how to get out of it. In that in that vein, as as far as partying, I think that um, a lot of times you want to forget <laughs> you want to forget what train station you just left. I mean, mm-hmm. you punched your ticket and got to the next train station, got to the next destination, got off, and said, "Thank God." And uh, you know. I think it happens to a lot of people who are in that situation where you're traveling all the time. Your, your, your life is, is hectic and, and people deal with it differently. People deal with stress and and life differently. And, and that's just the way I think uh, Chris chose at times. Um, And a lot of us chose that at times, but, did it did it get out of hand? Uh, I don't know that I ever saw him completely out of hand, but I do know stories about it, and I have heard too. I've heard the same thing, but I I, I didn't witness it so much uh, back then firsthand. Uh, later on, you know, again, you hear things, but but you just never know. Now, by two thousand and five it's kind of well documented that he had cleaned up his act or whatever you want to say. I mean, he kind of on the straight and narrow, really kind of turning it around in his personal life and really helping out the young guys in TNA at that point and really doing good things. And he ends up dying of a blood clot and kind of just, uh, and like I've talked to Shane Douglas all the time. He says of all the things that he's done in his life and all the crazy shit that he did to die of what he died of when he was clean, it's like insane 
to think of that, but 15 years ago, he, he got passing away. Were you shocked to hear about his death? Oh, I'll never, I'll never forget it. It was uh, on a Thursday night, and I had worked uh, at a place in Maryville that night, and and for some reason, I was feeling out of sorts, and I, I remember this so well. I was feeling on edge. I was feeling just... I, you know, you work in some place and you're in the back and you're listening to guys talking and they have no idea what they're talking about. And they're trying to impress you with how they're talking and you're, and you're looking at them and you, and, and you want to tell them to just shut up. And I was feeling that, especially this night. And one of the, two of the guys go out in the first match and, uh, I, I don't recall what made me walk down to the rink, but I did. I went down to the rink and said, go home now, you idiots. And I w- it wasn't my show. I wasn't booking the show. I had no right to do that, and I would never do that. But this night in particular, I just couldn't tell you what enraged me. And uh, I worked with Ricky Morton that night. Came home, and uh, Tommy Dreamer called me. And he was. He said, "Tom, yeah." I said, "Chris is dead." I said, "Wait, what? Chris who? It couldn't be Candido." He says, "Candido." So he's gone. And he started crying. He said, "I gotta go." And he hung up on me. And I, I, I was in shock. And then I started crying. And I went, "Oh my God, this is terrible." I cried for four days straight. Wow. Yeah, man, it was it was it was heavy. And uh because of all the things he had done and and because I and I hadn't seen the move yet. I hadn't seen what happened. You know, I heard about it, but I saw it god weeks later. The the drop kick and mm-hmm. it was terrible. It was it, it was vicious and I, I, you know, I've heard different things. It was a blood clot, and then I heard uh, he he um, had had a heart. Att- well, no, it was a heart attack. It was some other. There was some other reason that I that I heard that he did to. You, but I, but I think the big thing was a blood clot. And I don't know if that caused if that was due to flying or not. That seems to be the the general trend. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Um, yeah, I was. It was devastating because he was such a because he was such a good guy, and because he loved the business so much, and and because he was so uh, <laughs> earnest uh, when he was younger about about all he wanted to do is wrestle, and and this was his life, and he got to work with Terry Funk in WCW. He went and bought all the the him and uh, somebody else. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Valiant or whoever. They went and bought all the 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 long trunks like Terry had at this warehouse. They they bought like fifty pair a piece or something like that. You know he 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 just he wanted to be a part of the business. He loved the business. He was ingrained in the business, and uh, it was yeah it was shocking and very very. Uh, uh, it was it was hurtful. So you definitely were very very close. I mean, this uh, hit you very hard. Well, yeah, it hit me very hard. Again, I'm not I, I, I'm not real close with a lot of people. Brad, again, Brad Armstrong was the guy I was I was closest with in in 
in the business. But there are people that I can connect with uh, and have empathy towards because they are that kind. They're that kind of person. They're that kind of vibe. And and and, and um, I have no <laughs> I have no time for assholes. And there's a lot of assholes in this business. I mean, I'm an asshole. I get it. I understand it. But then there's people that um, I can have a conversation with, or I can call on the phone and 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 actually have a laugh with, and 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 talk to about other things besides wrestling. But our friendship and connection is wrestling, and uh, I can't do that with everybody who I know in the business. There's there's a couple of them, still a couple of them today. But with with uh Candido, um I talked to him Monday. That Monday and he he was just about to go into the uh, doctor's office because I heard about the leg, heard about him breaking his leg and wanted to see how he was doing and I called him. And he said, "Oh, I'm going to be okay, but I'm, I've got this doctor's appointment. I'll call you when I get out." Well, he never called me. And then Dreamer called me on Thursday when it happened. So um, I, I, I guess I didn't know how close I was to him or how much it would affect me until it does. And and you don't know until you get that news. And you don't know how you're going to react until somebody tells you someone died or, or, or was hurt. And then you know how it hits you and you know how you feel. So I think that is a great stopping point as far as the – Great Chris Candido talking about him and want to mention again your book, which is a great book. I am looking at it right now, a pro wrestling curriculum, advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level level, excuse me, Dr. Tom Pritchard, complete one year training curriculum and guide for beginners and seasoned pros. By all means, and if you'd like to go to my PayPal, it's drtompritchard at AOL.com. For $25, if you put in the notes section your address and who you would like me to sign it to, I will personally sign your book and uh, send it back. $25 covers postage and handling. Or if you don't want to do PayPal, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, I'm all about old school. Uh, if you want to send a $25 cashier's check or money order to P.O. Box 22451, Knoxville, Tennessee, and the zip is 37933. Uh, also, we're still doing the Snake Pit Pro uh, seminars, talks, match reviews. Simbo D over there with Jake Roberts and D'Lo Brown in Vegas. They're, they can't wait to get back to uh, to action and in, in working again and, and having things move. But in the meantime, he's got some great coaches over there like David Heath, Gangrel, uh, Al Snow, uh, hell, Tyson Moody, they're doing some great stuff. Just just the guys going on and offering this um, to give you – this is great because it's different flavors of ice cream. It's different ideas, different takes on, on professional wrestling. So we're doing that still as well. And uh, once again, I'll, I, I'm sure you, you know how to talk about PWTs. Oh, yes, pro wrestling tees still – Kicking, still dominating over there. So head over to ProWrestlingTees.com, get a, a JPWA shirt, or 
go to Dr. Tom's page and get a, a Dr. Tom shirt. I love, personally, and I mentioned this many times, the Wanted Dead or Alive Dr. Tom shirt. I feel like that is probably the best one on there, as far as my opinion. I, I just love that one. Also, Patreon, of course, for JPWA. You can become a patron and support them in that way. And also, just check out JPWA's website. That is jpwrestlingacademy.com for more information and maybe some upcoming news about when JPWA will be getting started again. My Twitter handle is at Two Man Power Trips, and Dr. Tom is Dr. Tom Pritchard. Anything else, Dr. Tom? I think that's it. We are willing to start up, but we want to make sure with everything going on, we're doing it the right way. So stay tuned. Check our uh, website as well as Facebook, uh, SJP Wrestling Academy, or Jacob's Pritchard Wrestling Academy on Facebook. So, um, yeah, we're, we're – we're waiting to see what happens, but uh, we are ready when they are. Awesome stuff, as always. And remember to stay healthy out there, wash your hands, practice social distancing for the time being. And we will see you next week, folks, for another episode of Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.